Serbian Football Show. Welcome to another week in the world of Serbian football. This is your host, Miller speaking. Uh, thank you all for joining us on our YouTube channel, the Serbian Football Show, as well as listening on Spotify at the Serbian Football Show as well. Uh, a lot of things to talk about this week, but before we get into that, uh, let's introduce my co-host, my lovely co-host. First, we have the world traveler, the Bitcoin billionaire, the millionaire millennial, Luca. What's up, man? How's it going in Belgrade? Hey, brother. It's beautiful, man. I'm about to see uh, the homie Alexa here in the flesh on Friday. And the topic of discussion, this is this is what he said. He wants to talk about how me and him are carrying the podcast and you guys are just slacking, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can't argue with that. I can't, you can't argue with that, right? <laughs> and uh, also, we have our man from Adelaide, Australia, Velimir. Really, how's it going today? Boys, what we don't understand yet is the fact is why Milos and Alex are meeting up is uh, because Luca, uh, Luca, and Milo, uh, Luca and Alex are meeting up, I beg your pardon, is because uh, Alex is showing um, Luca not properties but suburbs. <laughs> so uh, Alex and let's just go modest, right, and maybe start with Dortel first, right, and then and then maybe go um, uh, a little bit cheaper for him, you know, like because I'm sure he has, the, I'm sure he, I'm sure he has the money on hand. You know what I mean? Liquid, liquid, baby. Like in, like in the in the pocket, in the Luca's pocket. Lucas gonna buy a mini ever. <laughs> yes, absolutely, absolutely. Alex, I put, I put it on. I put an offering for Dominov tip, but it started to flood, so I got out of it pretty quick. <laughs> How's it going, Alexa? It's going pretty well. I mean, the way things are standing right now, you can buy the whole damn country. I mean, at the end of the day, there's one person that bought the whole country by giving him 100 euros, and he's now the president. So, with, by that notion, Luke can buy the whole region if that's the case. And as far as media, well, I think they give it away for, for free. So, <laughs> plus, why would you want to buy that? I mean, yeah. I wouldn't waste that on my worst. <laughs> Screw that. Now, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy it and put it in Veli's name, dude. It's the ultimate prank, dude. <laughs> You're just doing that for tax purposes. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I'm not liable, dude. <laughs> All right, guys. So, a lot of things to talk about. But first, uh, of course, the World Cup draw. Serbia is in Group G with Brazil, Switzerland, and Cameroon. Oh shit, here we go again. <laughs> we got the same, almost the same group, except for Cameroon's in there instead of Costa Rica. Um, I mean, well, what to say about that draw? Could have been a lot worse, of course, but also could have been a lot better. A tough group. We already know it's a tough group because we had the same group last time around. So it won't be easy for us. Uh, we all know about the Swiss. We all know about Brazil and Cameroon, you know, one of the top teams in Africa. Realistically, we should be able to beat Cameroon, but... Uh, they're also a pretty talented team that can definitely cause a lot of problems. Luca, what were your thoughts, initial thoughts on the draw and in our group? Uh, I must say the uh, the World Cup draw was actually quite exhilarating, man. My uh, my my heart rate was definitely going up watching it, and uh, <laughs> my final assessment of the group was: I really wish we would have got some fresh blood in there, but also we're working with the devils that we do know, so that's kind of nice. Um, but seeing us against Brazil and seeing us against Switzerland, I, 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 you know, I just wished we were playing some other teams at the same time. I have to say the group, you could definitely make the case, is the hardest group of the draw besides maybe Portugal's group, how I'm seeing it, Portugal and Uruguay's group. However, that being said, man, 
this is a completely doable group for Serbia. I think we should be favorites to advance with Brazil from this group over Switzerland and over uh, Cameroon. And look, here's the way I look at it, man. It's like from the last time when we played Brazil and Switzerland as well is we're the team on, a, on the rise. I would say that Switzerland is a team that is stagnant, if not a team that is on the, uh, on the downward slope. And then Cameroon to me is the wild card in the group because I, I really do believe that they're gonna, they could take off points off of anybody in the group, including Serbia, including Brazil. So, so it'll be fascinating to me to see what happens. I do like the fact that we're playing Brazil first. I'm, I must admit, it seems like Brazil historically has not had their best games first. Uh, and if you guys remember, Switzerland played them first in the last World Cup and they tied 1-1. So that gives me hope that we can snatch something um, from Brazil on the, in that first game. I will say this, though. The last time we played Brazil in, 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 the, in the last World Cup, uh, there wasn't a belief that we could win that game. There wasn't a belief that we could even get a point off that game because if you listen to our coach at the time, if you listen to, to, to the players, I just didn't get that sense they even believed themselves, even though they were saying, you know, the media talking points and everything. However, with this one, with Pixie, I think it's going to be a different mentality. I think he's going to instill them in them the belief that they can win, the belief that they can take a point off to get something from this game. Most importantly, though, even if we do lose against Brazil, we have to set the tone for the rest of the games in that that we play our football, that we play our attacking, that people are showing their heart for the jersey, all of that stuff that we've come to know, come to know uh, with Stojkovic at the helm. So I'm happy we're playing Brazil first, and which also the wild card Cameroon and Switzerland will be playing at the same time. So. So that's gonna be it's gonna be an interesting first round to say the least. But overall, very doable group, and we should definitely be favorites with Brazil to uh, advance. Yeah, and you're right. It's boring that we have the same teams again. It's, it'd be a lot more interesting if we had some you know teams we haven't played in a long time, like in England or Mexico or USA or something like that. But it is what it is, and as you mentioned, it is the Devils that we know. And having Brazil as the first game, I think, is is massive. Brazil is like a, you know, they're like a locomotive. It takes usually the first couple of games, they're a little rusty, getting used to tournament, not, you know, maybe not going there 1,000%, and then as the tournament goes on, they get better and better. So we're, we're going to catch them at the right time. Obviously, they're still going to be the heavy favorites in that game, and even, you know, even a draw for us would be amazing. But uh, I think we have a better chance of getting something out of the first game from Brazil as opposed to last time we had them in the third game and it was a must win for Brazil and all that stuff so uh, I think the schedule worked out in our favor this time around I much prefer this current layout as Switzerland being the last game instead of Brazil being the last game um, you know we can be, be uh, there won't be a high pressure game right off I mean, every game is going to be a high pressure game but let's see nobody expects us to do anything against Brazil in the first game and that's it's going to be easier than our last schedule, I believe. Obviously, that doesn't guarantee that we'll do better than last <laughs> time, but I think it's, it's it's good the way the schedule's set up. And then uh, Cameroon, the wild card, uh, as you just talked about. If you follow African qualifying and African football, there is a lot of controversy about Cameroon. Uh, I was watching a lot of news about the last game they played against Algeria, that, that decider 
apparently Algeria had a, a goal ruled out incorrectly in, in, in added time, and then the goal that uh, Cameron scored in the last in the stoppage time was apparently should have been ruled out, but the VAR was delayed or wasn't working, and, and, and whatever happened. So uh, definitely a team that is has some talented players, but just from what I've been following in the African and the CAF and the qualifiers, a lot of controversy around them, a lot of African fans saying that Samuel Eto'o is rigging all the games for them. So we'll see what Cameroon can do. I think you know they can definitely surprise us, but I also like our chances. Um, Veli, what were your initial thoughts on, on the group? Bring it on. That's what I just had that in my head. Bring it oh, on. Oh, yeah. Um, we, listen, I'm, I'm a firm believer that there's elements of that old mentality that we have, whether it's over-caution, whether it's fear, fear is not the right word, whether it's that over-reliance on the legacy of mathematical geniuses that come out of our country and everybody puts together permutations and combinations, or whether it's just plain stupidity of you know people reading the countless newspapers and media outlets we have in the country of which you know what permutation here what combination here what do we need to do at this minute at that minute and then the first game and then the second game and then you know the, the last game what do we need what, what what's the situation that arises there like I, in, in a way i had enough of all of that i, I can't explain that to you I, i'm like i had enough of all of that um listen in the last two World Cups that we came, South, uh, uh, South Africa and, um, uh, and Russia, we got the group that we wanted. We got the schedule of games that we wanted, and it wasn't good enough for us. We, we could probably go back three World Cups, and it, it was exactly the same thing. You know what I mean? So, um, you know, like, I, 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 really, I really didn't care. You know what I mean? I actually think it's going to... I actually think it will work for us for a number of reasons. Um, as you guys well know, I was at the last World Cup and, you know, we we spent that faithful night in Kaliningrad um, when we lost to the Swiss. And I actually uh, stayed around in Kaliningrad just a little bit longer than, than I would have thought because I'd never been there before, just like uh, Samara previously. Um, and there was the feeling when we went to go see, you know, the camp and all that afterwards because we were just out of this world fortunate we we knew the people that you know we knew a few, few people that would let us in and the world cup was shot already for them you know when they lost to switzerland the world cup was over for them it was just like okay we're going to go play against brazil and well, let's not be ashamed of ourselves four years on things are different neymar is not that i, I don't think they're going to give him that respect that they gave him you know four years ago let's face it neymar is not a has-been, but <sighs> I have no interest in it anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like, you know, when it was 18 months ago and everyone was following Messi, Ronaldo, Neymar, this, that, everything else, I couldn't care less, right? So um, I think we're going to get Brazil at the right time. Um, Cameroon is just... Cameroon will be our banana peel, and now they bullshit that, you know, it ends up being like that, you know, reading and going after uh, all of uh, Selector Stojkovic's comments in the past, even as a player, 
he will identify that game as the banana peel. He'll identify that game as most important, just like he wisely said in the qualifying um, that the, the game that he was most scared about was, was Luxembourg. And then finally, uh, yeah, bring on the Swiss. I just think with Switzerland, the, the dynamic is also a little bit different because um, uh, their uh, previous coach, Vladimir Petkovic, is not there anymore. And I think he possibly added to some type of spice or rivalry. Uh, you know, in my opinion, he certainly didn't help things when the game was over uh, because obviously we all remember what happened with that Switzerland game. You know, if a Serbian person did it, he would have got the, the electric chair, but any other country could do it anywhere else in the world. And they say, well, you know, don't mix politics and sport. How ironic is that? But anyway, um, listen, I, I, I can't wait. Do you know, like, we just can't, you know, we can't sit there and talk about all those things. I know a journalist has got a job to do, right? And we're, we're, in, we're on a medium platform as well. But it's just, it just is what it is. Bring it on. Can't wait. Let the, let the festival begin. And I think that um, uh, Selector Stojkovic will be instilling that same things into the players once they name the final squad and once they go to camp. Right, he'll be saying that, hey, boys, enjoy yourselves. Let's really, really enjoy ourselves, especially in game number one. And to us to take, and to us to earn a point or earn a win is not beyond us. And then we've got to build on, uh, uh, build on from there. Do you know what I mean? I think we just need to go there and play football. And we need to go there and play football the Serbian way or the newer Serbian way that Selective Stojkovic is doing. And again, you know, yeah, I, I'd love, I'd love a lot of things, right? You know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah, playing against, yeah, we might play, play England in the round of sixteen. We might play England in the in the quarterfinals, or, the, or or another country. What I'm trying to say is another country that we haven't played in a long, long time, right? But let's just get the job done. It is time for us to get out of the group, make it into the second round, win a second round game. Yondeshtanambolda, right? So, yeah, can't wait, can't wait, fellas. Can't wait as well, and I think you mentioned it. It's a major. I think it's a major key that uh, Switzerland doesn't have Petrich anymore. They have a more, and it's, it's kind of tables are kind of turned right now because last time around we have Stijic who had no experience, and they had a very experienced manager. And now we have the experienced manager, and they have the manager who has you know a lot less experience and a lot less you know he's done some things, but but not, you know, compared to Stojkovic and all that. So I, I think we have that advantage. Uh, I think we have the manager advantage this time around. And also we have the motivation advantage because our players are going to be absolutely fired up for that game. They want revenge. You know, they're not going to, obviously not going to say in the media that they want revenge and, and all this stuff. But you know that they're all talking about it. They all want to make up for that game. And if we were just realistic about it, I mean, the last game in 2018, Yes, they beat us, but the way they beat us, uh, I would say, you know, it's hard to be hardly convincing. They, they won in the last minute. Obviously, we know the penalty that should have been given to us wasn't given. And then Kostaj's awful stubs and, and, you know, his awful coaching in general. So I think last time they needed a last-minute goal and a non-penalty call to beat us. And, and this time it's going to be a close game as well, but I think we have the edge in talent and we have the edge in manager. So hopefully that will be enough uh, to get us the result. But you know, if we win that game and we lose the other two, it won't matter anyway. So we can we can talk about that game all we want. But I think we have to focus on, on the first two games first, 
especially Cameroon, because you have to, you one million percent need to win in that game, or you know the Switzerland game is not going to matter at all, and, and we'll hype it up for no reason. Alexa, let's hear your thoughts about the draw. I must admit that I am glad that we uh, got the time to kind of let our thoughts simmer uh, between Friday and and now it's a Tuesday. Uh, because my initial reaction it was actually a lot different than the reaction and kind of the general feel I have now. Um, first of all, I, I would like to respectfully disagree with uh, Lucas' statement and I think the general statement about the group that we might potentially be crossing over, which is an important part of our potential bracket. Uh, I don't see that as the group of death. I think it's one of the weakest groups in the tournament. I, I can't believe that people are looking at it uh, with that kind of reverence and that kind of respect. It's a group that might be tough for the teams involved in it, but I think all the teams that, that we would potentially play in that group would, would fit us to a T. You know, we beat Portugal before. Ghana has been awful for a while. I don't think they know themselves how they got in. And, and you know, Uruguay's a, a tough matchup with a declining generation, and Korea's a team that we're just better than and a team we've played against like 20 times uh, in preparation tournaments before previous, uh, or preparation games before previous tournaments. So, uh, of course, we don't want to look at that. we got to focus on our own group. Um, and the initial reaction I had was that we got the short end of the stick, which is to some degree understandable because if you look at the last two tournaments, I wouldn't say that we got easy draws, but we got fairly normal draws that we couldn't really complain about at that point in time. Um, the schedule certainly was such that it worked very well in the last two tournaments, and it doesn't necessarily work in this way, but I think that the schedule is something that you make of it what you want. I think if you want to whine about it and you want to say Brazil's the first game, you know, and it's a problem. You can you can do that if you want to say it's a great thing. Then you can approach it like that. I think us being the consistent optimist that we always are, um, we would always go and say, well, the draw that we got was great, and the schedule that we got was great, and that's just our mentality. Um, you know, on a, on a on a general view, um, looking through the pots and looking through the way that it was set up, uh, Brazil is to win this thing. I think that this whole tournament is being set up for an England-Brazil final, just the way that the draws and the pot, the pots and the draw was done. And their talent is obviously, you know, evident, as it has always been. And we'll get into the individual opponents and what we think about it. And I'd like to hear from you guys individually about all the opponents as, as the pot goes on. Um, but I would say that of the teams we could have gotten, because more than likely we weren't going to get a European team, uh, I would much rather play Brazil than Argentina. Obviously, everyone wanted Qatar. But I think that us being probably the best team in top three, uh, the odds of us getting Qatar were low. Well, um, Everybody knows that, that the first group was rigged. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, oh, and, it's so and, obvious. They, and they got no shot. I mean, let's, let's, let's call it what it is. Um, you know, the, the, the Brazil game, obviously, they, they, they were dominant in combo qualifying. But I think that, that, uh, that the situation that they're going to this tournament right now, just stylistically and tactically, it suits us more. We'll get into that later on. Uh, but the motivation is going to be at its highest. Is it always when you play against Brazil? You know, it's the first game of the group. Um, it, it's the first game of that day of, of match days. Um, and, and the good thing in the Brazil game is also that if you're getting them at the star, you're not going to have any sort of potential flip-flopping of your approach and your tactics as the group goes on. Because I'm pretty sure that if the Switzerland game had gone differently in Russia, um, that if we would have gotten a draw out of that game, and I'll get on to that more, uh, we would have approached the last Brazil game differently. And what you said, really, wouldn't have happened. They wouldn't have been so mentally shot. But I think after the Switzerland game, which is, they were far gone. And, and I don't necessarily blame them fully for it. Um, so in this sense, I think it's good as the first game. Um, Switzerland, the, the obvious history between us exists. And I think that it would be 
we have to be very cautious about pointing our finger in Switzerland and saying, bring it on, because we all thought, and most pundits and most people thought, that going into the last Euros, that they were probably going to squeak a chance out of the group, and they had nothing to, you know, they had no, no hope. And then they, they beat Turkey pretty convincingly, and then they turned a one deficit against France and knocked them out, and they were this close to knocking Spain out if, if things had gone a different way. They knocked Italy out of, of, of the qualifying group and forced them into the playoffs. They've got new guys that have come in. Most of the core of that squad is still there. The manager they've got, I would also disagree, is not some inexperienced guy. Milan Yankin has been working in the Swiss League. He's been working in Russia. He's been manager in high end teams, whether it's Basel or Grasshoppers or Spartak Moscow. So pointing the finger at them in that sense is something that I wouldn't say because every time you think they're dead, they just come back like cockroaches. But I would also say that if you look at the teams like Germany and Denmark were in the second pot, I'd rather play Switzerland against those teams. You look at the, the, the way it was set up, would you rather play, you know, let's say a, a hypothetical situation in Spain and Mexico? I'd rather play what we got. So I think in that sense, it's it's a it, it's an opportunity for us to right the wrongs. I was iffy on whether I wanted Switzerland or not, but at the same time, this game for four years. And I think it's a great chance to see how far we've progressed since then. I think that this group is a great chance to see how far we've come. Uh, even though I will admit it does kind of suck we're playing the same teams. I mean, you know, we could have gotten the exact same group if Costa Rica had just fallen a little bit later. But it is what it is. That's what the draw was. And by the way, the draw was a total bore, uh, as it always is. And, and, and the ball was terrible, and the presentation was bad, and the music choices were awful. And just everything about that draw, except for... Uh, but these are having two representatives on the stage, thank you very much. In the in Botswana, we had the Mateus. Everything was pretty much boring, and it was annoying. Um, the general gist that I guess the other team in the group had is that they're not really giving us that much attention, uh, whether it's because of fear or whatever else it is. You saw Kafu didn't say anything about us when he was talking about the teams in the group. Uh, we talked about Cameroon and how we're going to know what they got. I don't think they know what we got because their manager admitted as much, saying he doesn't know anybody, which is a great quality for a World Cup manager. Um, and also, like I said, if you look at the, the teams they could have gotten out of pot three, we're saying how are we feeling because of Brazil and Switzerland. Let's see how Brazil's feeling if you're nuts. Because they could have gotten you know, Japan, they could have gotten you know, Iran, they could have gotten someone like that, and they got a team that's, that's proven it has the capacity to hang with the big boys. And so Cameroon out of the African teams, um, you have to give them respect for coming back against Algeria and for beating Ivory Coast in the, in the group phase of the qualifiers. Um, but also at the same time, the last two World Cups have been pretty abysmal. We all know about the infighting that was there in Brazil and how they had this big hype going into South Africa and materialized into nothing. Uh, and I would much rather play Cameroon than possibly play against Morocco or Dr. Ben Senegal. So you can't really go ahead and whine on that. Um, the team that we have right now, all the players are fit. Everyone seems to be ready to go. The motivation's high. I think that you saw Pixie uh, in Qatar. You saw the way he's interacting with everyone else. You saw the way he's interacting with the journalists. All the managers are coming to take photos of him. So he's ready. He knows what he's doing, and, and, and he's ready to, to go for it. And um, I think that we're going to be stylistically a tougher matchup for these other teams than we were four years ago for a variety of reasons. We have a better team. We have a much better manager. You know, just the setup feels right. And um, in previous World Cups, when everything seemed to be going great, we fell apart. And in this World Cup that's been set up to be in the middle of the winter, or the middle of the fall, rather, in a country like Qatar, you know, the, the groups were just set up weirdly. Nothing makes sense, which is a perfect terrain uh, for us to be great. So overall, uh, I can't complain. I think we could have gotten off the easier draws. Uh, but I, ultimately, I think it's a group we absolutely can get out of. And I think, unlike four years ago, 
that we will get out of it. And we'll get on to Brazil and Switzerland and Cameron individually. But the general gist of the group is that I'm excited to see how far we've come. And I think that it's a great proving ground for where we are. I would also say that I wouldn't consider it a failure if we didn't get out of this group because you have to respect the other teams that are there. I know some people have already said we can get to the quarters and the semis, but let's pump the brakes. You know, we haven't gotten out of the group since 1998. We got to break that first hurdle. But if we do, a lot of things can open up because that was the same thing with Croatia. It took them a while to get past that first hurdle in 2006, 2014. Once they got past that, they took off and the draw worked their way and this and that. And this team has got the potential to do big things and, and beat anybody in this tournament. So uh, I'm, I'm satisfied with what we got. And if we approach it the right way, and I'll talk about specifically that much more later on, I think that we've got a chance to be a really dangerous opponent. I think none of the teams that got us are particularly happy that they true was, which makes me very happy. So, uh, you know, it's... Alex, I think you, listen, I think you made a really good point before, but I just want to add something to what you just said. You said that, you know, like we didn't get a lot of attention, and that's true, okay? But I also believe at home, I have in one of those old magazines, a preview magazine of the 1982 World Cup. I also have a preview magazine of the 1990 World Cup. And now, I... Yeah, no, 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 but I'm just saying those two because don't, you, you guys weren't even born, right? Now, it has exactly the same theme on both of them. It's almost like a copy and paste. And I reckon the copy and paste for, you know, our country has maybe gone by its use used by date. Now the theme was team full of pedigree, but probably notable underachievers. Dark horses, now, watch we, out for them. Yeah, but listen, listen, we've probably earned that as well. Okay, I think probably the people that look at football worldwide come in and say team full of talent, team full of magnificent individuals, players that play all over the you know the top leagues in Europe but whether they can make that next step is purely up to them and now I think from our point of view that sentence has gone past the used by date as well right so it's whatever we drew it is our time to stand up right like it, it's it's basically our time to go you know, I could have had this part, I could have had that team, I could have had that country, whatever it is. It's our time, it's our time to stand up. It's just, there's, there's no other way of, um, of saying this. And, you know, like it's, it's helped that, you know, we've had now a new, uh, a new selector that is, you know, recognised worldwide, who has those network worldwide. I remember on a podcast a hundred million years ago that we all sat together in and I, you know, like I used the words that Mladen Kristajevic was an absolutely solid professional as a player, right? But he had no coaching experience and he took the national national team manager's job under, I thought, circumstances that caught his character out as a human being rather than, you know, any managerial experience or pedigree that he had earned and then taken that position. But with Stojkovic, it's going to be a little bit different and I believe that is going to be the reason why um, uh, reason why uh, we, will, we will be okay. I think our aim is to get out of the group and win a second round game 
then after that, Shabbat will then. Right? Like, I, we, we, we still need to just be, this is our thing, and we've had this for a hundred years, right? We get to a, we get to a major tournament, and all of a sudden, we forget about the, anything that we did to get there goes out the window totally. I understand that you've got to make adjustments between qualifying and getting to a major tournament, but to turf it all out, I never understood that. Right? So um, I think we need to take those things out of qualifying that work for us to make a tweak and make a few adjustments for when we get to the tournament proper and we need to set the bar and saying we need to get out of the group and then whatever happens after that, it's, you know, in, in God's and in our hands. So I just think, you know, like the fact is that not many people are looking at us, we probably deserve that too, right? Absolutely. You know, we probably deserve that too rather than anything else. I, because I always say I always say this way, Selector Stoikwit said we are going to make Qatar. But let's be let's be honest and frank for that. He only said that to the Serbian media. I didn't see that in Le Keep in my broken French. I can't read Italian, so I don't <laughs> think it was it was any page uh, it was any page to like Gazeta della Sport or Mondo in in, um, in Spain. It didn't make BBC didn't football or anything like that, right? So he only said that to the Serbian media, and the, you know, the, in all ways, shapes, or forms. So um, uh, yeah. You know, it is. It's rather heartwarming when you see him with pictures with, you know, Arsene Wenger and so on and so forth. And, you know, for God's sake, he's still got his youthful looks and, you know, like, um, uh, you know, like a bit of a, a, a style master. Nothing close to a Lorca, but, you know, a bit of a style master. <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, like, uh, you know, and, he, and he, he attracts attention. But the rest of it, we've lost that a little bit. It's our time to regain regain that status and then to say you know bloody hell what can we do so that that part you know the part whereby not many people are looking at us but in, in youth football it, it was an adv- advantageous for us the minute we were forgotten about the minute we were dumped on the other end of the earth um and the minute that you know there was no spotlight there we ended up doing very very well and there was no expectation so i i just can't wait bring it on and, and you know, like Dostavisha on pots and, and, and pans and drawers and, and you know, table kinder surprise eggs and uh, opening them up in half and you know, like mixing them up in the ball and what was the what was the ceremony like and, and all that type of stuff. Like, it, it can't come quick enough for me. Absolutely, and I mean, I don't think uh, in 2018 Castage was hanging out with. Uh, Wenger, Deschamps, and, and Luis Enrique and having a chat, you know? <laughs> it's just a different... It's a whole different world with uh, Pixie as a manager. You see how respected he is. A, a lot of these guys he played against or played with uh, back in the day, so he's, he's such a, like a, a well-respected figure in European football. All those guys remember what he did in Italia 90, and it's good to have you know some a manager that's respected once again, <laughs> because... It's been, you know, it's been some rough times, and I'll just say one thing. Going into this World Cup, I have way more confidence than I did going to the last World Cup, um, and part of that is the way we've been playing. If we're honest, even even during the qualifiers with Muslim, we didn't play very well. Uh, you know, you can say we struggled in most games. We had some good performances, but also a lot of question marks, and a lot of question marks about if his you know, tactics and a system would work against, you know, stronger teams. 
in a, in a major tournament. And then when Kostaj took over uh, unceremoniously, it got even worse. So there was a lot of distractions, a lot of issues, and I just didn't feel confident going to the tournament. Now, let's not jinx it. There's still you know four, five, six months until the World Cup, so things can happen. There can be some crazy shit that goes down during the Nations League and who knows what, but I, I really don't think so. Uh, Pixie's just such a... I think the players are so fully behind him. You see the type of camaraderie they have, the type of atmosphere they have, the way uh, that you know he's just such a, in good spirits with them all throughout the trainings and, and, and all those walks he does around every city they go to. You see that this team is really built up well. They built quite a camaraderie and quite a brotherhood. And I don't think something's going to happen between now and the you got to respect the guy yet. who's managing. He can do more keepy-ups than any of the players. you got to respect that. <laughs> exactly. And, and I really like that. He's You know, every city they go to, every game they have, he takes them to the main square. They have a bit of a stretch, and, you know, they learn a bit about the history of, of that particular place. Like, that's that's really that's really cool, and that's a good way to build – uh, build a relationship, build some, build some uh, ties between the players, and bond as a team. You know, kind of get off the pitch for a moment and be, you know, be out there, and stuff like that is going to help us when the tournament comes. And as he's a guy. Says, he's a guy that um. He's a guy that has this perfect balance between a presence, charisma, yet a calmness. And I remember, you know, again, it was. So long ago, it wasn't funny, but the memories still stay, especially when something like that is so significant to you. You know, like having, you know, like dinner with him and then doing a couple interviews with him and all that so long, long ago. He just had that real calmness about him. You know, like I, he never swore, as you know, I, I could, uh, as I could remember, and things like that. And he spoke in this real, you know, soothing tone of voice and all that type of stuff and I reckon that rubs off on other people you know like I'll never forget you know like it like it rubbed off for me and you know I'm like I'm nobody I'm not at the bottom of the list I am the bottom of the list right but you know he leaves that <laughs> no, no, he, he lives he leaves leaves that you know like you know what I mean he just leaves that um, thing on you right like um He's pretty and good at explaining things very simply. I've seen in a press conference. Absolutely, really, absolutely. Six minutes. And you know, he plays. He plays, he, great philosophy. He, just he, plays the media, he plays the media better than the RTS orchestra. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's just hilarious. Do you know what I mean? Like, um, uh, sometimes you got you know, sometimes, you know, like I used to learn in, in, in my work and all that type of gear, you know what can kill you is a pause. And sometimes when a journalist asks him a question, he gives a pause, which is actually only gone for two to three, four seconds. But to everybody... It feels like two hours to them. Exactly. It feels like a lifetime. And the person, you know, like is... Uh, not intentionally, but let's just say the, the context or the content of the person's question is actually cut in half and diced in quarters. You know what I mean? Because I, I'll never forget, you know, a million years ago, someone said to me, he goes, how can you actually give a really smart answer to one of the dumbest questions ever? You know what I mean? So, you know, they don't say ask a silly question, answer, get, get a silly answer for no reason at all. But um, I just think he has that on him. That is that 
it's gonna it's gonna be huge. It's gonna be telling. And again, I can't wait. And I've probably talked enough already. So um, uh, it's just when when you mention those points, all those memories keep flooding back, and all those um, things that you know, like I know about it, but, but that's added to the that's just added to the like the puzzle of what our what our national team is all about now, and we are definitely on the rise. And I, I liked a lot that he's actually doing all these like long interviews after after games and after important events. Because in the past, I feel like it was a lot harder for us to know what was going on. The media was and non-existent three years ago. Non-existent, yeah. And now, every, after every game, after every you know anything that happens, you have Nesha Petrovic sitting down with Pixie for like twenty five minutes. They're just shooting the shit, talking about whatever. You know, sometimes they're relevant topics, sometimes they're not, but. I think I, I really appreciate that you know we actually have an idea of what's going on. You know we had a long. He got me respectful behind the scenes. Look, sometimes journalists would go behind the scenes and they mm-hmm. really look up to dig up nasty shit. You remember that before the, the South Africa World Cup, they're smoking, you know, between games and all this other mm-hmm. stuff that's going on. And now it's just kind of like very mellow, very simple, very professional, and it's it's refreshing. And I'm I'm afraid it's going to change. But for now, it's just it, it is great. You get to talk to the players. You, know, you get interviews with them after the game. You're getting these pitch side sort of camp shots that we haven't gotten in the past. So, so the whole presentation is 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 on point, which is which is really refreshing. Yeah, I think, and I think it's also because they're buddies with, with Nish Petrovic. Right? I think he's buddies with a lot of the players. And I he's think a good journalist too, which is also a good yeah, thing. exactly. And the thing is, like now, FSS actually done a lot of work to improve their social media. Their YouTube channel is actually pretty damn good, surprisingly. And the, whoever they hired, to, whoever they hired to be a new Twitter guy is also excellent. So, you know, <laughs> they're doing some good hiring I'm for one. Pretty sure they hired somebody from Sporting Club. It's an unconfirmed. He's yeah. no, he's no, he's no Milos Dusanovic, That's for sure. You know, no, what I mean? like, no, definitely not. They... But, but I think he's really good, though. He's he's like a vast improvement on whoever they had before was garbage. <laughs> and I don't know, like if any of them. Yeah, like uh, they they plagiarized your tweet again this morning on Blitzport when I wake up at two o'clock in the morning and get back to sleep. So uh, they owe you about a hundred thousand dollars for everything. I paid. reckon. I reckon, yeah. if not just if not Blitz just the worst. <laughs> Blitz is the worst. They, they Although, I, I'm, a, I'm super shocked though that like uh, Telegraph actually like linked my tweet and credited me. Oh no, which that, that's is nice. Absolutely of shocking. Yeah, which I, I was like, these guys never it's do that. Either the Telegraph is more journalistically serious than Blitz is. That's kind of yeah. like really <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, how is Telegraph and Mondo like crediting me, and then like Blitz is just flat out stealing everything. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's great that we have some transparency now. I, I love these interviews. The one from Qatar, the, like the 30-minute one, was amazing. A lot of insight. And, you know, we learned that they're going to po- probably increase the now- amount of the squad from 23 players to 26, which will be great. I like the fact that he got out ahead of everybody. He's the one that, that, that said that. I'm sure he's not the only one that thought that, but it's nice to see him ahead of the Spanish manager, the French manager. You see him next mm-hmm. to the World Cup. Like, he's stepping up with this level of confidence that he that we're not accustomed to, but it's not like arrogance. It's not like, look how great we are. He's just kind of like, I'm here, and, you know, we're going to go for it. And and you know, we respect everybody, but we're not scared of you guys, and we're, we know we're good. And so it, it's, it's refreshing, you know, it's to have somebody that, that believes, and it's not, you know, over the top. It's not crazy. Because we've had managers in the past that have tried that. You know, we're so great, we're going to do this. And it just comes across as like, you know, you ain't shit. You ain't got the basis to do that. But he does, and he does it with taste, and, and it's a great thing to see. Right, and, and, and I just want to add real quick is like um, him hanging out with the Shams and, and all of these big, big managers. Uh, 
and him kind of being the star of the show in a, in a certain sense. I mean, that just got to, as a player who's playing for Stoikovic, that just got to instill so much confidence in you. And I really do hope it rubs off on him and being like, I'm playing for this great man. I should like probably listen and buy into this system even more so than I'm doing already. I mean, he realistically, if you're looking at the team he manages, and I guess the, the managerial career he has, Denny Deschamps and all these other guys could probably eclipse him by some degree, but he's not scared to go up to them. He's not scared to share right. shit with them. And I think the players can look at that and go, well, if he's not scared to go up to the managers, exactly. the teams are, that's why should we be scared of the players? You know, Alex, like, say, you, Alex say you nailed it. He does it with taste. Right? He, he deserves to be there, but he got there on his own. On his own fruition and his own. And any, you know, and any like man reputation. that Roth shades, that Roth shades like that has got, has got some style. I need to find a man. He's got, he's got the same shoes as Luca. He's got the same slip ons as Luca. Oh, hell yeah, baby. Man. <laughs> what do you mean he bought him from, he bought him from Luca? What's the matter with you? You know what I mean? Straight dripping, dude. All right. He got like. Don't, don't reveal all the secrets, Valley. We don't want to show our hand before November. Far <laughs> out, man. Literally, uh, the Dragon Stoke, which night he's like, when he goes add to card, he was actually coming from one of Luca's websites. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, like, but the, but the thing is, this is this is the most crucial part with it all. Dragan Stoikovic did his most work before he got the job. He laid out to the FSS exactly what he wanted, how he wanted it, when he wanted it, and with who he wanted it. And I think that also will set a massive precedent with anybody else who wants to take the national team job, you know, thereafter. It's hard not to, you know, it's hard not to look at it all when you see those things, you know, those pictures of Qatar. Uh, after we qualified against Portugal, I think he went to the Caribbean or something like that, and he, he saw, you know, the, the cigar-smoking Marcelo Lippi somewhere, and he's in, the, he's in the same sentence as him as well, right? Yes, we know Marcelo Lippi was also a World Cup winning coach and all that type of stuff, but he was, you know, he was such a respected player and such a respected person that, you know, he's in the same breath with these people all. You know, on a, on a, um, uh, you know, like I, I, I just wonder, always wonder myself. I feel like saying, "Where you been, man?" Do you know what I mean? Like, you, did you, did you waste ten years of your life in the Far East? Did you waste all that? Not, no waste. Did you use it? Do you know what I mean? Like all that time, you know, play. Okay, the Japan part, I understand the romantic tie he had there because, you know, like even I remember back before he had such an affinity for Japan. It wasn't funny. But did he, did he use that time in China where he shouldn't have? But listen, who am I to say he's probably going to get a ripper European club job if he wants it after mm -hmm. he finishes with the national team? You know, like, I'm happy to shout everybody drinks. I, I, don't, even, I don't even know if he wants to finish with the national team. Yeah, exactly right. He's, that's the, that's like, the big thing to me. Like he's loving it. Yeah, he's, he's loving it. Basketball. It's like he's the perfect guy. He's a legendary figure and he's tactically capable. He doesn't really need to go to club football. And besides... His greatest, greatest attribute is clearly the ability to galvanize this team and motivate them. It's, you know, tactically, he's shown that he's very capable. But clearly, you know, they wouldn't respond like this to. They didn't respond like this to Senior Shomikhailovich. You know, they didn't respond like this to other big names, big stars that were taking the job. So he clearly, he doesn't really need to change the role of international football. He's a great ambassador because he's one of the most famous players the country's had in a long time. And I think club work would exhaust him. I think he'd probably quit after two months. Like, he's got to watch the youngsters and he's got to watch the games and this and that. And this is kind of his tempo. So I don't think he wants to leave. I see a point and I see a lot of that in there because of the bit in me as well that maybe he'd want to become a professional national team 
manager, you know, having, you know, like I, I could see him, I could see him take, take the Japan national role later in life. There's no doubt about that. I could see him do that. But I also, you know, if he took a club team, I could see him coaching Marseille one day as a start. And yeah, so Sam, I, Sam Paoli can do it. He can do it too. Yeah, so uh, I know we're probably <laughs> a little bit going off topic and all that because, for God's sake, we want him there. But I think, I think what he did first of all was to make sure every single point that he wanted addressed and permanently addressed before he took the job was set in concrete, and we are seeing the fruits of his planning right now. Let's hope it's permanently. There's still six months to go. I'm, I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> oh, I think I said it in three podcasts ago. If anyone can fuck it up, we can. <laughs> That's right. And I think a lot. A lot of it why he's so like involved and, and out there and happy to be here is because, as you mentioned, Billy, he was in Asia for ten years. Like he was gone for a long time, so he probably missed out on a lot of these things. He probably hasn't seen some of these guys in a really long time because you know, how often are they going to Asia? So I think he's just relishing in the moment. He's happy to be back on the main stage in the spotlight. Because if you if you look back over his career, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, ninety, he was one of the biggest stars of the tournament. Every everybody knew his name. You know, everybody knew who he was. And then he kind of, you know, went to Asia, had an adventure there, and he was there for you know twenty twenty years, right? Yeah. So he's back. He's back now. He wants to, people to know who he is again. And so a lot of people do remember, and he's, he's going to make a name for himself. And, and you know, when it comes to the World Cup, let's show, show us. Show us what we can do. I mean, let's show the world this is the time. A lot of our players have the experience of the World Cup already. Um, you know, they know what it's like to fail and come home with nothing. And this is their chance to, you know, make right on, on you know, a very brutal campaign last time around and a tough time in, in Russia. And... And, you know, when we were going to Russia, we thought, oh, we have the home field advantage, all these things. But at the end of the day, that doesn't matter. Uh, you know, the stadiums are going to be full regardless. We'll have fans there regardless. It's, it's all about on the pitch, uh, the game, the gameplay, the system. And hopefully Pixie can do it and can get us the results. Um, you know, let's, uh, let's get some early predictions. <laughs> How about that? Uh, Luca? What are, let's see, what are your, like, realistic hopes for the World Cup, and what do you think is going to happen? Ah, right, man. Here's exactly what's going to happen, dude. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and make sure you bet on this, guys. Um, we're, we're going through with five points. We tie Brazil, we beat Switzerland, and we tie Cameroon. Um, and then we, we lose the round of 16 game. That's what I think is going to happen. What I hope will happen is we go through five points or, or however. I don't, I don't really don't give a damn. But we win that round of 16 game and, and we take that next step. And I think if we can manage to do that, I think that will really open the floodgates for the national team to um, really, really build on top of that. And especially going into like, uh, you know, Euro qualifiers and, and all that jazz. I think... Uh, I, I I think what this team lacks is like a proper, proper big tournament run um, to really really instill that confidence. We have the coach, we have the talent. We need the mentality to be there, and I think I think that can be done with it with a with a proper uh, big tournament run. What about you, Willie? 
of course, you know, this is not going to be our last podcast before the World Cup. So um, a lot of things can happen. People have got to stay healthy. People have got to stay fit. I believe that we're going to see much more of a spectacle footballing-wise for the World Cup due to the fact that players will be back at their seasons for up to, what, three months, would it, would it be? We also have that little bit of uh, logistical nightmare that I think that the players will be together for about a week before the World Cup starts. As I, you know, looked at, I, I try to do a little bit of research, and yeah, I know that's shock and horror, but I, I try to do a little bit of research. I think the Premier League breaks nine days before the World Cup starts, something similar for Serie A. So we're going to have that, you know, and but all teams will, and all, all national teams will, will have that in the World Cup, that, um, you, you know, they're not going to get that three weeks that they would have in a World Cup that would be... Um, that would be normally uh, uh, done in a in a European summer, so um, you know we've got that we've got that to look forward to. Um, listen, I think we're going to get out of the group. I think we're going to get out of the group. If not first, we're going to win our second round game, and then I think whatever happens out of that, I just don't want to a repeat of some tragic way of losing. That's what I don't want, right? Did we, you know, did we lose on penalties? Did we lose to a horrible shoelace VAR decision or or something like that? You know, I still don't understand how VAR has enhanced the game of football. But again, that is another 16-hour marathon podcast by itself. Um, that's where I see it. There's a massive proviso is whether players are fit and healthy and can we find a gem between now and then, right? Like this is, you know, I, I would always love to see this. Just imagine we find a player in one of the leagues in Europe that has scored 11, 12 goals in the six weeks, seven weeks before the, before the World Cup squad is announced that guy is in massive form do we have the bravery and do we have the courage to pick him because at that point in time when the world cup squad is announced that person is in massive form and although he hasn't been in the plans to date do we have the courage to pick him and hopefully enhance the squad that we have so um this is the only other thing. I don't think it's going to be the greatest fan experience the world has ever seen. I just think it will be... It won't be bad. I just think it will be bland. Do you know what I mean? Like, I just... I have that prediction about it. I think it's going to be just bland, a little bit like probably the World Cup draw. Do you know what I mean? I hope I'm absolutely proven wrong. Um, but I just have that, you know, feeling, whatever you want to call it. So... Um, uh, you know, play it to you. We're going to flash back and, and replay this bland World Cup comment when Valley's hanging off a camel drunk out <laughs> after we beat we Cameroon. <laughs> oh, see, now, I just hope I don't cross some, some desert and I find out that I'm in Saudi Arabia rather than, than somewhere else, you know what I mean? Yeah. Because it ain't going to end well. <laughs> hey, man, that's, that's 
that's where Luca's old money is. You're, you're safe. Oh, like I wish this. Alexa, what are your uh, what are your thoughts? Uh, I'm gonna try to keep this short. I don't think I can. Um, I'm gonna try to look at it from I guess a tactical standpoint. Um, I would have much rather played Brazil against than Argentina. I think that Brazil right now, if you look at them, Neymar is still really good, but I think his form has dipped for the last four years. Fortunately, they're forcing Gabriel Jesus as a striker because he's the one that their manager you know, created and discovered. They're not playing Firmino. And then you look at their pal and the rest of the team, it's a significant drop-off. They had Coutinho, Douglas Costa-William four years ago. They got Rafinha, who's really good now. He's not at that level. Coutinho's not the same player he was. Vinicius Jr.'s got a lot of talent. You can't see them materialize it. Richarlison and Anthony and David Harris and all those guys, they haven't clicked. Um, they still have, they have age at the back, you know, with Silva and, and Danilo. Those guys are still great. They're still top-level players. But I think that our ability to attack on counterattacks is going to be great uh, because we had Jajin Tadic going at them from counterattack last time. And now we've got Kostic, Radovic, Barkolazovic, all these guys. It's a great opportunity for us to attack on counters. I know that Pixie's going to want to enforce a passing style of football and an attacking style of football early on. But I think if there was a game where we sit back and we try to play organized and get them on counters, I think that could be the game. I'm not experienced as to knowing what you should do, but I think we have multiple ways to hurt Brazil as opposed to just putting the ball up to Mitrovic, which was the case last time. And it helps the team's more talented, and it helps the, the matchups kind of work better. I know Brazil waltzed through the qualifying process and call the ball even more than they usually do, but I do think that this is a team that's kind of on a downfall. Casemiro is past 30. All those other yeah. guys in the team, they're they're you know they're so much. Yeah, if you look at the qualifying, like, you can see a lot of the South American teams are on a downward spiral. Like a lot of them are having that change of generation. So I mean, Brazil did waltz through qualifying, but you can't really say that any of the teams that they played are like on the way up. Maybe like the only Ecuador. team that you can look at and say are the only way up there, Argentina and Ecuador, really. Argentina's yeah, Ecuador, I would have said Ecuador. Ecuador, yeah. right? But like Uruguay's really on the way down. Like Colombia, their worst campaign in a while. Chile, Chile didn't make it. they didn't make it. Like all these other countries are having like generation changes and their old and players. And also the thing with, with Brazil on. is that they're they're going to go press and they're going to try to play beautiful and they're really going to try to go at the game. They're not nearly as pragmatic as Argentina, and that's why they can be had. You know, Norway's beat them in the past. Denmark's put goals past them. They've lost in other tournaments, the Confederations Cup, and so on. Argentina has found the right balance with Messi and enough talent around him and enough structure to where they would be an extremely difficult matchup for us because they're not going to go out, not going to try to embarrass you. They're just going to want to beat you. Brazil's going to want to try and embarrass. You. And we're not going to allow that to happen. And I think that the, the, the talent that we have individually probably scares them. Because like, you look at Tadic and Blachowicz, just the two of them alone, you know, they're, they're not going to want to play against that. Those are the two best players they're going to run into in that group. And probably better than most of the guys you see in South America. Other guys in the team as well, they got to find form, they got to pick up. But we've got a, an opportunity to threaten Brazil. If we get anything out of that game, heading into the Cameroon game, then we're going to be straight up horses. And the team's going to be, I think, ready and fit. I think that it's hard to find a matchup for Brazil in the build-up to the tournament, but I also think that we're going to probably pick the team right in terms of they can, they can play like Brazil. And again, I think the team's going to be as motivated as they can be. The Cameroon game, I was initially thinking that Cameroon was one of the worst teams in Africa, but I think the talent they have, they've got Joel Matip, if he's fit, you know, Coco Kami's been playing great for Lyon, they've got Victor Anguissa in Napoli and Neil and Hitafi and all these places. They're just a team that's, they can't stay very healthy and they can't build a World Cup campaign. And they play a very basic 4-4-2 formation, which we would waltz right through. I mean, that you know, the way that we play building the ball out from the back, I don't know how they're going to not be able to get yellow cards and red cards and 
you know, it's a game. I'm not, you know, we have to be careful because the last two African teams in World Cups we played it. It's a trap game. It's a trap game in the middle, baby. Little NBA trap game. (laughs) Ivory Coast beat us, so they they can play spoiler. But I think that it's it's more realistic that we beat them, and I think we have the capacity to really beat them down. Uh, Of course, I'm not saying that's going to happen. There's plenty of time for until the World Cup starts, but I think it's going to happen. Now look at the Switzerland game, and and I'm going to close with this. It's a broader point, but strictly from a tactical sense, the defensive solidity they have with Petkovic is no longer there. Whether they change their style, they become more attacking, more progressive. That's reaping some benefits. But I think it has also kind of wreaked some issues in the way that they play. The last time we played them, even with all the tactical mistakes we made, even with all the bad chemistry in the team, the fact that that team was not as talented as this team was, even with all of that, we still played well enough to not lose that game. I don't care what anybody says, we did not deserve to lose that game. I don't think we should have won, but we had no business losing that game. Possession was there, we had great chances. We were, Alex, so we got ran over the top of the last 15 minutes. Indeed, they, but that was, was, but that was a, a tactical decision because if you look at the group, the way it was set up, if we would have gotten a draw against Switzerland, then we would have needed to draw against Brazil and hope that Costa Rica gets something against Switzerland, which was never going to happen. So I don't mind the fact that we went for it. The difference now is that Kostanich went for it and made the wrong subs and put all his eggs in one basket and pushed guys forward and, and, and didn't have any sort of defensive solidity. Pixie's done it in these qualifiers where he's adjusted on the fly and gone forward, but you see reason. You see that when, when we wanted to go forward against Portugal, he put an extra guy in the midfield. When we wanted to go for two strikers, he threw on Luka Jovic in the last 10 minutes against Lisbon. He's shown that when he wants to go for it, he knows how to do it without completely exposing himself at the back. That's a key difference in that. And the way that the Swiss have built up and the way the Swiss, the Swiss team has played, um, they don't have Shakiri out on the wing anymore. He's much more central to the way he plays, which I think works for us because I think Kudelia and Sasha Lukic are going to be licking their chops to, to try and get at him. Um, our ability on the wings to threaten is big. And Vlahovic is, you know, they were petrified of Mitrovic last time. You know, Vlahovic also has a similar aerial threat, but he can move. He can run without the ball. He can dribble past them. So there's more ways to hurt Switzerland than there is that because we were even with them on talent last time. And I do think we're a more talented team right now. And I think the chemistry and everything that's set up is even better. And the final point that kind of segues into this is if there is one responsibility that the FSS has, that they've not had many, they've gotten out in the spotlight, the FSS practically didn't exist during the qualifiers, it was the pixie show as it should be, because when the FSS gets their hands on anything, it ends up in the ship. Their responsibility before this tournament is a responsibility that ultimately will have a deciding factor on this game, and that is to make sure that for once, we get the fair officiating. And I, and I don't want to you know, point the fingers at the referees beforehand, and I don't want to sit here, and like I said, we don't want to point the finger at Switzerland and say, you're going to get yours. But if you look at the last, I don't know how many tournaments, I don't have to talk about the penalty that wasn't given. In that game against Switzerland, we had three of our midfielders get yellow cards for the first tackle. We had six yellow cards in that game. Switzerland didn't get a yellow card until the last minute when Shakiri did what he did. He basically got a yellow card for the set. You're trying to sit here and tell me that Switzerland didn't play a tougher brand of football than we did so that they can get yellow cards. Not to mention the way they got in the tournament with a dodge penalty against Northern Ireland. Not to mention the goal they scored against Brazil in the first game, which people have forgotten, when the Swiss player pushed Miranda with two hands in the back and the referees didn't call it. I don't got to mention the qualifying groups. They've got the 50-50 calls. You guys will remember in the Swiss game how many offensive fouls were called on Beecherich every time he tried to jump. All of those things... So, Alex, so I think I think there's a lot of in there is going to be as well in our planning is how do we react to that? Indeed. Right. I, I think I think a, a important part of that is 
I, you know, I heard examples of people said that the team fell apart in that game and that the team didn't react well. The miles that we ran and the willpower that the guys showed was there. They weren't lacking in motivation. They weren't lacking in physical preparation. They just needed somebody to set that up properly. And even with all of that, we still should have drawn that game. This setup is much different. It's much more cohesive. The manager's better. The setup is much better to the way that we're accustomed to play. And all of those things that I mentioned are isolated game incidents. But the thing that I've said for a long time was that the biggest issue was why did the German referee, just keep in mind, we could have crossed over with a German group. They were in the neighboring group in that tournament. Why did a German referee officiate that game? That's a direct conflict of interest. You look at the the World Cup that we had the European in 2000, the European Championships, you guys remember the game against Spain. And the, the two goals they scored in the last five minutes of that game, one of the doggy penalty, the other one was like two minutes after stoppage time. A French referee was officiating that game. We were crossing over with the French group. We can go on to many other examples. 2010, the handball on Tim Cahill that wasn't called. We go back to Dennis Bergkamp, stopping Sinister Mihailovic and the referee not seeing it. We can go to Spain in 82 and the penalty that was called five yards outside the box. People have told me, well, if we have to worry about the officiating six months in advance, then it's really not up to us. We have never talked about it. There's never been any pressure put on them. And the way that the game was officiated in Russia left a sour taste in my mouth, and I don't want that. Switzerland's good enough to be this 3-0. Let's not beat around the bush. They can pimp slap us like that. But it's because of that very reason that somebody from the FSS, whether it's behind closed doors or in public, should insist on fair officiating because there's been a stigma that has existed not just in the Serbian public but in the Yugoslav footballing public that clearly shows the teams from this region have never gotten the respect that they deserved in the officiating department. I don't have to talk about what happened in Croatia in the Brazil opener eight years ago or the final against France. You guys remember the Bosnia game against Nigeria where the goal was disallowed and it was two yards onside and this and that. We've never worried about that and we've always gotten screwed. I've made five, six examples that weren't a to my imagination. They weren't there to try and enhance my argument. There are things that happened and we've continually gotten cheated out of it. Now, yes, I know that if Ronaldo's goal that crossed the line is given, maybe we're not in this position, but that's one call out of 20. And we got to insist that the referee in that Swiss game is as neutral and objective as it can be. There are plenty of good Spanish officials, Italian officials, French officials that can officiate that game. And so it's one's history against us and in previous tournaments dictates that we should be worried about that game. And the fact that we did talk about it six months in advance ruined it because if we had, maybe it would have changed. Maybe we would have gotten a Spanish referee. We would have gotten a different referee. We wouldn't have had the feeling that I had, that you had, Veli, and Luca and Milos, that we got. We lost that game, and we felt like crap. I felt like we, we blew it ourselves, but I also felt like we weren't given a chance to win that game. There's never a point where I felt like we were on even terms to win that game. If you give us fair fishing against Switzerland, first of all, we will not lose. And I'm pretty confident that we can beat them, because I just said, even with the disaster that we were in some ways four years ago, we almost beat them. This team, much more talented much more cohesive, showed a great ability of mental character. We've come back multiple times to qualifiers from being 1-0 down and 2-0 down. And I truly believe this time with my head, with my head and my heart, that we're good enough and we're going to get out of this group. I think the neighboring group gives us an opportunity over the quarterfinals, and I sincerely believe that. And of course, there's six months' time. Players got to pitch fitness. Players got to stay healthy. Switzerland's going to have a hell of a preparation period in the Nations League with Portugal and the Czech Republic and Spain. But we're going in this tournament absolutely with our chances. It's a 50-50 situation. And if you give us fair officiating for once in a World Cup, let's see how far we go. Because that's also got to play in a factor. It goes back to the statement that my uncle said many years ago. 
the people on the Titanic had everything. They had money, they had power, they had everything they wanted, and then the ship hit the iceberg, and they were not, they weren't lucky. We need luck to go in our way this time. We have had too many World Cups, and as fans, as honest fans that have been with this team for so long, we've had too many situations where we've been jobbed out, whether it's by our own incompetence or by somebody else screwing us. It is time for that to change. And if we're not good enough to get out of the group, you shake their hands, you move on, you raise your hand, you say we weren't good enough, and you go back the next time. Let's see how we play when the officiating is fair. And I'm telling you, you're going to see more of this team than a lot of people are predicting us to show. And it's for that reason I think we're going to get out of this group. And I would not discount at all the option that we end up being first in that group. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, excellent points, Alex. Uh, I love it. And uh, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. FSS has to be putting pressure on FIFA UEFA right now. I mean, they have to make it clear. They have to remind them. They have to mention every single time that we got screwed last time. We got, didn't get screwed. We got screwed major last time. That call affected our entire tournament. Not we, just the we, call. We, I mentioned been two the nothing. cards, the fouls, exactly. the whole thing. Like, it was a game that was systematically from the 10th minute on. You could see where it was going. It's like, how are you meant to play against that? How, how are the midfielders mm. supposed to press the Swiss midfielders when they've got yellow cards and they know every tackle is going to be a second yellow card? You don't think that had anything to do with the fact we didn't press them in the second half? These things matter, and they have to point out to why they matter. That's why the FSS has exactly. a role to make sure Boys. that somebody else comes in and referees that game. Does that have to be a referee from a neighboring group? You know, Germany was a neighboring group. Give us a Spanish referee, an English referee. Boys, boys, boys. No... It's just, it's still, listen... I a thousand percent, not a hundred percent, I a thousand percent agree with you. Everything that you said is absolutely more than valid, right? It's true. It's fact. We, though, need to be in a situation whereby we need to do maybe more than the average team to make sure that no match comes down to a horrible call. Indeed. So are we in a situation, can we take the half chance so one gets converted into two or two can get converted into three and all of a sudden the game is out of reach? Like, listen, there is no... And it's going to be a lot of how we handle that, right? Like, we've all seen it now, okay? And maybe this is one of the small consequences of, like, an Arts Mitrovic playing in the championship. So the thing is... Is I've seen him, I've been there in front of him, I've had a drink with him and all that type of stuff. The man can lift a car, right? Like, and it, that's also stated fact too. The only way that he gets a foul blown for him is if you hit him from behind with a baseball bat, right? But a foul gets yeah, blown against him. Exactly, but if the foul gets blown against him, if he, you know, decides to, you know, like look at him funny, right? Or hurt their feelings. You know what I mean? Like, then, it, then a foul gets blown against him. And that is a way... Sometimes I think when I watch, you know, a few of the championship games, is that you go, oh, my God, I reckon that would have been called against him if he was playing in the Premier League or possibly another league. But since the championship is so rugged and physical, like, it's actually just the norm. And so I believe... Really quickly, then... Milos, it's like the Jokic syndrome. When he gets the hell beat out of oh, look how big he is. Look how, look how yeah, fat he is. Yes, yes, like, yes. Yeah, yes, yes. Calls to him because look how strong he is. Well, dude, he's getting fat. Yes. Well, look, Sha- look at Shaq. Shaq got all those calls. And he's way bigger than Jokic. <laughs> Absolutely. And we are now and still going to be in the reminiscence by the time the World Cup comes is we're still going to be in the narrative of East versus West. And 
unfortunately, it's the world that we live in. So I, I don't think politics will ever work for us. And I don't think diplomacy will ever, you know, work for us. And I know that, you know, there are channels where we can put our thoughts forward, but that has to be done diplomatically, that has to be politely, that has to be done anything because, again, and I've talked about this, you know, in previous pods, when the World Cup comes, just wait for all the administrators to come there, right? There'll be administrators on every corner and we can say what we like. There will be more administrators watching a Serbia game for and journalists for, you know, crowd trouble or, or you know, political dissent or, um, you know, a statement that's made or this, that and everything else rather than, you know, some other country. I agree. I, I never understand when there's two European teams in a, in a World Cup why you just can't get a referee from another confederation. Right? I just don't get it. Okay, like, for God's sake, I reckon... Pre- they've, they've tried it in previous tournaments and it hasn't worked, you know. The, the I know, I know, I know, I know, I know. It was one of those questions where I, I knew the answer as well. I'm like, oh, I get it. But the other thing is, is they're not, then I'm, I'm pushing your point as FIFA, as, 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 to FIFA as the world global organisation. Football is the only thing that is globalised, right? And I suppose that, love and Coca-Cola, right? But um, football is the only thing that is, you know, globalised and... And, you know, we should be able to trust a Canadian official to take care of Serbia versus Switzerland or an Australian official to take care of, you know, Serbia versus Switzerland. You want right? Asian? Like, There's competent Asian officials out there. Absolutely. Like, like, absolutely. Absolutely. I'd always rather stay clear of um, certain Asian officials rather than, than others. I'd always take an East Asian official first, you know what I mean, because they do things by the book <laughs> and... Um, you know, like I, I would, I would take an Australian official, you know, rather than than somebody else, and I'd, like I probably don't need to say anymore. Um, so, uh, you know, like it is there, but I, I think the more things that we can work out in our own hands, I think that it will be better, better for us. So that's why I don't want our destiny to be sorted out by penalties. I don't want our destiny to sort it out by VAR. Or, or anything like that, or Nedo Boje, you know, like a horrible refereeing decision and this and that and everything else. Like, for God's sake, come on, man. Like, yeah, then, then they're, gonna, they're not going to put a Montenegrin referee to coach, you know, to, to referee a Serbian game because they'll find that out. But it's okay to, okay to put a German referee to go, you know, to, to referee Switzerland. Do you know what I mean? And the thing is, though, is that we are in the narrative at the moment that, you know, West is better than East. And, you know, like, although that we may disagree with it, it's not the point whether we disagree with it or not. It's the world that we live in now, sadly. And we've just got to counteract with that with footballing, um, with footballing strategies rather than conspiracy theories and rather than, you know, like getting pissed off. Everything that you guys said is true. It is fact. Okay? Yes, it is fact. But we've just, for the, the goodness and for the greater good of our national team, because we want to restore that again. We want to restore that reputation about us because we did lose it. We have lost it. There is no two ways about that. We haven't made a European Championship since, since the 1600s, right? Like we've lost that. We've lost that reputation. We've lost that all. Let's not beat around the bush, okay? We have. And, you know, at the end of the day, we need to get that back. And we need to get that back in as many footballing strategies that we can 
rather than to wait for third-party decisions. Absolutely. And politics is a thing that will always be around, and it's going to have an effect, unfortunately. It's never going to be eradicated, but at least minimize it. Exactly. It's, it's going to be there no matter what, so you just have to make it not matter as much. Luca, do you think that little midget is going to try to provoke us again? 100%, bro. 100%. I'm just seeing the. <laughs> By the way, I don't, I don't mind that he, you know, him, him doing it because, you know, in some way because he scored and they won. But at the same time, it's like he threw gasoline on the fire for months before and months after. Like, like dude, you don't need that. Like, Maradona didn't whip out the corner flag after he scored the hand of God goal and start, like, shooting at the England fans and stuff like that. Like, he's just put a target on his back. And I think that somebody's going to come in with a meaty challenge early on, as they should. You know, just to set the tempo of the game, saying it's a different game, and you know, let's see how tough you are when you're not getting, you know, getting free kicks from somebody, you know, blowing in your general direction. Let's see how tough you are. But yeah, listen, it is. It's it's like it's everything you say is fact. But the the thing is that this is going to be a strange World Cup, right? It will be. You know, when 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 Serbia lost to Switzerland, you were allowed to say the narrative: "Oh, you shouldn't mix politics with sport." And that passed. But four years on, that narrative is now changed to suit certain people within the world. And so we need to counteract that and be proactive to beat that. Right? It was funny. I was on the, um, you know, like I was listening to uh, the Talk Sport, you know, um, uh, um, radio last night from England. And there was actually, and I forget his name, it's really, really bad, but there was some really good conversation there is to say that, okay, let's go back to the World Cup being the elite national teams of the world playing off for the trophy that is called the World Cup. Do we need to politicise everything? Do we need to politicise every single, um, every single um, uh, topic that's gone in the world? Right? Rightly or wrongly, they decided to leave to put the World Cup into to Qatar. Okay? You run a risk if you decide to go bring a flag that is not of your national team. You run a risk of trying to highlight issues that are not there. But what I'm trying to say is the fact is that we are in it. It's going to be a funny World Cup whereby we don't know who's going to be picked the officials. We don't know for what political agenda the, 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 um, the decisions are going to be made. We don't know what social type of cause is going to be pushed when we're there. It will be strange. It's going to be strange, right? That's why we need to stick to football. And again, like I can't reiterate this more. I agree with everything that you guys said, but we are just in a different world of which I think will change between now and November as well, right? So we've just got to be proactive and see yeah. about how many football things we can do, right? How many football things we can do to make our experience over there the best that we possibly can. We have to make sure that we don't let things that aren't directly involving us distract us and become a thing. Like if you see right now what's happening with Vesa and Lithuania and stuff like that, uh, you know, we need to avoid stuff like that because that's going to be a huge Which distraction. Which is his trade as well. Thus far, he's focused only on himself. He's not paid attention exactly. to any other stuff. So, you know, exactly. he's like, to handle that. We don't want to have a situation where, you know, everybody's got to wear, like, a Ukraine flag and we, we don't yeah, want to. Yeah, I get like, so that's, that's, stuff you know, like that. Uh, like, that's the point. You know, like, again, we're, we're probably getting off topic, but if the Ukraine don't make the World Cup, right, 
yes, you're allowed to bring any flag that you want, but you're drawing attention to yourself for issues that are not at the match in hand, right? I can't, you know, like I can't stress that enough. The the footballing authorities have decided to put the World Cup in, in, in Qatar, and it's going to be bizarre. It will be. Let's not make no bones about it. Accommodation is scarce. Flights are going to be through the roof. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's, I don't think it's going to be the most pleasant fan experience. Imagine that hot which, weather in November. Absolutely. Yep. Of which, and again, this will never be credited because it was in the East. The Russian World Cup was one of the great fan experiences of all time for many, many things. Because the, awesome. the, 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 um, the uh, benefits that were there to fans... Right, you had very fast internet that was very, no very cheap. No fan skirmishes, no scandals. You had no, no fan skirmishes. You had those fantastic fan zone um, uh, uh, things that were there. You had their, their wonderful app, you know, for taxis and all that. Nobody got ripped off. The infrastructure was fantastic. The, um, the weather was uh, nice. The weather was nice. The, um, the public transport was on time every time. It was absolutely wonderful, and they'll never get credited for that. But you do the same thing in Germany, and they'll go, oh, it was the greatest World Cup ever seen. Or you do the same thing in Japan, it was the greatest World Cup we'll ever seen. And that's what it, it, it gives me, it, you know, like it angers me profusely that, you know, those things will happen. You know, Qatar will be bizarre. It will be. Right? It's it's be nice to that you can walk from stadium to stadium within like five miles. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, but you won't be able to, you you won't be able to sleep anywhere. Like no, I can tell you that much, right? <laughs> sleep in the so, stadium, I guess. Yeah, do, do you know what I mean? So, um, so everybody's uh, having trouble yeah. finding accommodation. Absolutely, not surprising so, because it's not a large country; it's not a vastly populated country. I think it's right? smaller than Kosovo, is it not? Yeah, like, something like that, that, right? You know, and you know, <laughs> you come there, and um, uh, you know, you, you're going to be in that situation, and we know there's going to be a brand new ball. There's a brand new ball for every World Cup. You know, how are they going to make money? And it might go faster, it might go slower, it might go quicker, it might go, you know, what? who cares? Those things are out of our control. You might hang to right? last a little bit. Yeah, right. So we've just got to, you know, like, Uncle Borgda. Focus on football, that's healthy. it. Like, focus yeah, on and, football, and, you know, be football. healthy. You know, like, as, as I said, I, I don't, I, listen, I don't care, right? But I, I think to myself every now and then, the rainbow flag. What national team is that? Right. Do you know what I, I mean? I think it's uh, Seychelles. Yeah, don't bring it. Nah, don't bring it. You know, like yeah, you know, like don't draw, don't draw, you know, don't draw attention to yourself, right? You know, like I, I just hope. I know a lot of our fans will go because there's a there's an expat community that is, you know, like most of it, they're professional. You know, in guitar, in, in in all those in those nearby cities, they will have a presence. You know, it might be a little yeah, bit. There's a lot of Serbs, a lot of yeah. Serbs that live there and, and work there to buy. They're maniacs in the best sense of the word. And I, you know, <laughs> I know. You know, I just hope that we give a you know good account of ourselves because it won't be it, it won't be the same fan atmosphere. I'll, I'll just never forget. You know, one of the things about Russia was the fact is that a lot of South American teams qualified and a lot of Central American teams qualified, and it was so simple as they could go to Russia without a visa. Right, mm. and that's and they've made an atmosphere that was absolutely superb. I don't know whether they're going to get the same type of access to to Qatar. I want to be proven wrong, and I want it to be the best fan experience ever. And you know, like um, 
you know, something that, you know, we can live long in the memory. But it's football, football reasons, football strategies, football solutions, and I think we'll be okay. Luke, are you going to go too or are you going to try to go? Well, man, I bought the tickets, dude. Whether, the, whether I'm going to go or not is still up in the air, depending, <laughs> depending on... Yeah, as long as you got the tickets, bro. You can sell it for a fortune, my friend. Yeah, yeah as long as you got the tickets, you're good, because who knows? Maybe they'll spruce up some, you know, pop up some container apartments some, or something. Some tents you know, in, the, in the desert, dude? That would be nice. Yeah, so Firefest? Fire <laughs> <laughs> Firefest in Qatar? Yeah, dude. All right, before we go, as usual, we got to get some final thoughts from Valley. Any shout-outs today, Valley? We missed it probably last week. A huge shout-out. Sometimes we do it. We, we look at people from other sports. But um, a big shout-out to Miomir Ketsmanovic. He's done really well in the last you know few weeks. Um, He's really done really well in the last few weeks. So uh, massive shout-out to him. And, um, uh, again, I want a, a massive shout-out to Bonnie Rig Avala, you know, soccer club. Their season has started as well in, in Sydney, New South Wales. And so all the best of, uh, all the best to them uh, this season. Um, it's by far, in terms of population and stuff like that, our biggest Serbian club in Australia. So, uh, come on, Avala, and um, all, all the best to them for uh, this upcoming season. Absolutely. And also, a massive shout-out to Milan Borjan, who has drawn a group with Croatia at the World Cup. So, it's going to be tough for Canada, but I know he's going to have to deal with a lot of, you know, let's just say, insects and cockroaches in the next six months. And so, you guys so- over the moon or what over there? I guess, but I know it's going to be tough. It's going to be a tough time for him and his family because I'm sure he's going to have to deal with a lot of bullshit with oh, no you know, some of his comments as well as, you know, a bunch of the Nazis he's going to be dealing with. So, you know, good luck with to him and his family uh, dealing with this bullshit. Uh, but at the end of the day, you know, he said what he said and he's doubled down on it. So, <laughs> yeah, it'd be nice. Uh, it is what I it is. Bought in a couple nice point black saves, a save from a That's penalty. Right. Oh, that would be Awesome. That would be, be amazing. Well, he lacks in intelligence. He tries to make up with in guts. So, I guess, you know, hey, good for him. That's right. He's going all in, baby. <laughs> That's all it is. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show, and uh, we'll catch you next week as well. Take care.